0: In the name of one God who creates, redeems, and sustains us, amen. Amen. So before I begin, a few public service announcements. Your bulletin is a fan, use it. Second, if you need, there is water out in this entrance or in the parish hall, and be sure that you care to your needs. So, nothing like coming out on a three day weekend in uh, 85 degrees to hear such a lovely uplifting gospel. (laughs) It just makes us all wanna come back next week. So just a few weeks back, in fact two weeks ago at Beach Mass we had baptisms. Four sets of parents gathered their family and friends and came with our community and they brought their children down to the beach and they presented them for baptism, entrance into the Christian community, as it were. Baptism, it's a joyful moment for all families. It's cherished and treasured. And the parents and godparents and all of us, we promise to raise these baptized children or adults as disciples of Jesus. That's what we're doing in that moment. And I'm guessing that as each of these parents brought their child forward into the baptismal waters, they were not thinking of today's passage, whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother cannot be my disciple. Right? I mean, you might expect that in the teenage years, but This is what I'm baptizing my child into? It's not the loving, baptizing Jesus we expect. Today's Jesus sounds hard and exacting. You're in or you're out. You are not either or. You either leave everything and follow Jesus or you aren't following Jesus. To which we all go, yikes. And yet I'm going to posit that this passage is exactly what baptismal families should be thinking about when they present their child for baptism. Now before you think I'm trying to scare the entire population off of Jesus, I am not, let's look at this gospel more deeply. Not closely, but deeply. So you've heard me say over and over again, if a passage doesn't seem to fit, if it doesn't make sense, if your colleagues give you a hard time all week about getting the really hard passage, maybe we need to pull back from just this little excerpt that we see today. We need to pull back and get the panoramic view as we all know, right? We need to get the larger vision of what Jesus is saying Today's excerpt sounds harsh, but today's reading isn't the full picture of what Jesus is driving at. So, you know, I usually ask two questions. One is, who is Jesus speaking to? And last week, when we had another difficult reading, and this week and even next week, Jesus is continuing this discipleship teaching that he is in the middle of. And it's to various groups throughout the Gospel of Luke. It's the Pharisees. It's the crowds. It's the tax collectors and sinners. But it doesn't matter who Jesus is speaking to. His teaching on discipleship is consistently the same from one one group to the next. And the second question I always ask is, well, what came before what we're reading and what came after what we're reading? So last week, we heard the parable of... Good that you were all listening to Reverend Patty. She was very dynamic in her sermon. We heard the parable of the wedding banquet. Who gets to sit where? And Jesus uses this parable to make a point about who in God's world is viewed as most important. And he uses this parable to continue a longer teaching on discipleship. And he's making the point that true discipleship in God's eyes levels the field. And it doesn't just level the field, it levels the field because it brings those who have the least up and those who have the most down until we end up all equal in God's eyes. In God's kingdom, we know the last shall be first, and that's because they never have been before. And then we come to this week's reading where we're told that we have to reject our family to follow Jesus. And as we heard in the Deuteronomy reading, where it talks about life and death, Jesus uses the same juxtaposition. It was was a technique in ancient Greek to juxtapose such words as love and hate. And Jesus uses the word hate, hate your mother and father, your sister, your wife, hate your family to make a point. Because in Jesus' time, it wasn't about hating your father or your mother. It was that your family gave you status. Your family gave you place. Your family let you know where you were in society, and that still happens. There are family names we can name in the United States, and you go, oh, right? And I used to think, oh, it's just in the Middle East, right? I lived in a country where your last name absolutely placed you in society like that. And I'd be like, oh, but you know, we have some of this over here. Even in the South Bay, we could do that. And Jesus is saying, that's not what this is about. It doesn't matter who you are the mother of or the son of Jesus isn't saying you have to hate your family. You have to walk away from them and say, you are no more. Jesus is saying, don't rely on artificial status when you want to be a good disciple. And not only not to rely on your name, as it were, or who your people are, as we say, back east, But when you become a follower of Jesus, when you are baptized, you're actually baptized into a larger family. It's no longer your mother and father and brother and sister. You are baptized into this larger family of Christ. Look around you. This is just one little sliver of your Christian family. In this family, when we are at our best in discipleship, we are there to care and to love for one another. And I can attest that this family can love and care like no other when your own family cannot be there. Your church family is what you are baptized into, so it is no longer who lives in your house. It is all who gather with you in worship and discipleship. But also in today's gospel, Jesus tells us discipleship has a cost. And I think that's the question we can ponder throughout this week. If you take one thing home, it's the question of what are we willing to give up to follow Jesus? Phrased another way, what do we need to let go of to follow Jesus? As I said before, I'm not expecting you to sell your home or your cars or your family heirlooms or whatever is important to you. What Jesus is asking is that we set those things aside and find a way to make God the primary focus in our lives. Discipleship it's not just about coming to church on Sunday although I am thankful you are all here and I'm shocked to see so many of you here in this heat. I'm glad because Sunday is where we learn together. It's where we get refreshed and rejuvenated to be disciples in the week to come. Because true discipleship it's an every minute of every day challenge. Discipleship as I said a few weeks back, is loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. And when we actually live into that, I'm here to tell you it has a cost. Have you ever been asked if you're a Christian? Does it sometimes make you wince? Just had this discussion with a parishioner this week. Right? It has a cost to name and claim that we follow Jesus. People don't always understand why we make the choices we do. But Jesus wants us to understand that discipleship can't be haphazard. It demands, it requires our time and attention. And in today's reading, did you notice Jesus uses metaphors of planning to build and going to war? Would any of you, and I can say this in the South Bay, would any of you ever think about building without doing some planning? Right? And maybe some awareness of what you want and how it's going to work discipleship means being as intentional in our relationship with God maybe even to the extent of having a blueprint and following it writing down your plan to be closer with God but regardless of how you engage in your discipleship it means putting your trust in Jesus not in our yourself not in the world around us, not in our family name or our possessions, but solely putting our trust in Jesus. Now, as I said, the cost of discipleship may not mean actually leaving your family, although I know some families where sadly this has been the case. But in discipleship may come at a cost where people don't understand why you do what you do like why you won't skip church or Bible study to go out to lunch, or when people look at you funny when you care for the unhoused population and people in your area, or that you're willing to stop what you are doing to pray for a friend or cook a meal for someone in need, or to stop what you are doing and stand up for someone who needs your voice to help them be heard. I think you get the idea. Putting our discipleship first and foremost and primary in our life is hard and it has a cost. And yet what Jesus tells us today is discipleship demands commitment on our part. Commitment. And that's why I think this passage is good for our parents to know before bringing their child to baptism. Baptism should be taken, undertaken with at least as much care as building a house, hopefully not going to war. Baptism should be undertaken with an awareness of the greatness of the act that is taking place, of the sacrament that happens. I hope That parents ask, or as adults, we ask, how are we going to raise our child in faith? How am I personally going to live into my faith? And we, as a congregation, every time we say, we will support you, what are we doing to support our children in their faith? I have more on that in announcements. And you see, once we understand these difficult words from Jesus this week and we begin to live into our discipleship daily, we get to go to next week's awesome parables. Now, you may say, Reverend Rachel, why are you stepping on the toes of next week's preacher? Only next week is... And so we aren't going to hear the end of the great story that we've been building up to for several weeks with these hard gospel readings. Next week is like what happens when we follow in discipleship and we aren't going to get to hear it. So I want you to hear the end of the story of where Jesus is going. Next week, if we were following the propers, we would hear the lost parables. The lost coin and the lost sheep. Something of great value and something of not such great value both go missing. And the person who lost the item looks and looks and looks for it. They give up everything to go find what was lost. And when they find it, what happens? There's rejoicing. Exactly. There is rejoicing. So when we commit a child and ourselves to a life of discipleship at baptism, we are renewing our vow to be a follower of Jesus. And that's why all of us should think of this passage when we baptize. For in our baptism, we are giving ourselves wholly to God. And there is great rejoicing when we live our lives as disciples of Jesus. Amen.